This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. You <laughs> jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning this job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for her street ran out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Debbie Debate. I'm Matt Bruning. No Felix Sharp. No Austin Nace, no Chris Moxley. There's just nobody here. They have all bailed. They said the season's over. Austin is still traveling the world. God knows where. Chris, I think, is still fishing somewhere. He might actually be with Austin fishing in, like, crystal clear water somewhere off the uh, coast of Greece, last I heard. Beautiful, beautiful waters, by the way. And for those of you who don't know about one Felix H. Sharp Esquire, Felix H. Sharp II, massive that team up north fan big fan of Kalen DeBoer Michael Penix Washington Huskies last I saw he was out like drinking smoking victory cigars somewhere so he could not be bothered to join me today which is probably for the best because we all know how much he hates victory lapping everything so we don't have to deal with that tonight but I'll give him some victory laps as we go through the show today. We are going to talk a little bit about the games that happened on Monday, Michigan versus Alabama, Washington versus Texas. We will talk the transfer portal of players transferring in and out players going to the NFL. We'll talk a little cam Ward. will Shipley announced a little bit before the show. He is heading to the NFL. And then I, I guess caused some, at least Georgia fans. Oh, look, I'm just going to be honest, man. Y'all get upset about everything. I could say you guys looked weird taking a step. And you guys get upset about everything. We're going to talk a little bit about my quarterback and running back rankings heading into 
I guess the off season of 2024, man, technically is going to be here next week. The national championship will be here between Washington and Michigan. Spoiler alert. If you guys haven't watched the games yet. Uh, so that will be, we'll be heading into the off season. I'm trying to upgrade or update. Can't really upgrade your rankings, update my rankings, uh, heading into that. So we're going to talk a little about the quarterbacks and running backs. I'm going to save wide receivers for next week's show. But before we jump into all that, if this is, your first time watching the show, guys, please hit that like and subscribe button. We're trying to get to 3,000 subs, and we don't have the backing of NBC, CBS, ESPN. We are an independent brand, and everything that we have done and grown is because of you guys and the love and support you guys have shown us. So please continue to do so. It would mean a lot to me, mostly to Felix, though. I'm just going to be honest. He's not here, so I can say whatever I want. Mostly to Felix. It'd be, be a big, big deal to him. And... I actually don't know this as a, as a fact, but we're just going to say, I think his birthday's coming up. So, like, let's get him a happy birthday present for 2024. Get him to 3,000 subs that will make his day. If you guys have any questions in the chat, you want to know anything, uh, uh, my opinion on a player, fantasy question, college football, you can ask me live questions. I don't care. This is my show. My show. And nobody here to stop me until Austin shows up and pulls the plug, which might happen. I don't think, you know, his Wi-Fi is that great, as I said, off the coast of uh, Greece there. So, Michigan. Beats Alabama 27-220 in overtime. What a game. I, I thought it was a really good game. I, I did find it interesting, a lot of Florida State fans going on to Twitter over the past couple of days and saying, hey, you know, like you guys were trashing Tate Rodemaker and Brock Glenn for what they weren't able to do. And for the most part, um, Alabama was kind of running a little bit of a wildcat offense, and they're not wrong. I mean, Jalen Milrow, just 116 passing yards, no passing touchdowns, no interceptions, only 63 yards on the ground. Look, do I think that Florida State would have provided a better matchup than Alabama? Probably not. I, I don't think that Florida State's defense is quite as good as Alabama's overall. I don't think the offensive output would have been that much different, if I'm being honest with you guys. I think Tate Rodemaker would likely have been the starter for Florida State, not Brock Glenn. Um, so I don't know if that makes a huge difference. I don't think, you know, and I, I think the vice versa, that everybody's saying, oh, well, the, the, the committee's been justified by Florida State getting only three points and getting 60 put on them. Like, half their team opted out, guys. Like, come on. Let's seriously, let's not have that discussion here. Let's all be adults and recognize the obvious. Almost all of Florida State's players, at least the ones that mattered, opted out. If you saw Mike Norvell's speech, I, I completely agree with what he said in there for the players who did decide to go play like props to them. Uh, but I don't know that it would have been the game that we got between Michigan and Alabama. But I, I do want to give props to J.J. McCarthy. Um, there's a couple people at this network, uh, Camps to Ken, that have talked highly of him. Corey Pereira and Chris Case. I'll give you guys your roses. Um, while I don't think he's as good as you two do, he definitely had himself a good game. There were some moments in that game where he stepped up and delivered when he needed to, and I do think he's a big reason why Michigan is going to the national championship, specifically that play on the sideline to Cornelius Johnson where it looked like the play was done, done and dusted, fires that ball in there. Now, granted, great catch by Cornelius Johnson, but he put it somewhere where only Cornelius was going to be able to get any trusted his wide receiver to make the play. Sometimes that's all you can do at quarterback. McCarthy had those plays. I did a preview show for that bowl game, the Rose Bowl, and I said I thought Jalen Milrow was going to be the one to make those plays and lift Bama to go into the national championship, but it wasn't. It was J.J. McCarthy. I think it's going to be very intriguing to see what he does after this national championship. I think if Michigan wins it, there's a better chance he ends up going to the NFL. Maybe he wants to come back and try 
and do a back-to-back like Stetson Bennett did with Georgia. I, I don't know that Michigan would be able to do that. Maybe they could. There's obviously a lot of rumors, for those of you who may not have been paying attention, that Jim Harbaugh will be on his way back to the NFL after this game, win or lose. We'll see on that, too. I'll be honest, I haven't kept up a ton with NFL coaching firings. I know I believe the Panthers are out. Poor Bryce Young, if he ends up with the Panthers. But if Harbaugh does go, I don't think McCarthy stays. I think he goes. And I think if he has a good game against Washington, he could really be improving his draft capital. I still think he's got questions about his game. He's very inconsistent. He doesn't. He's not asked to do much. He does thrive for the most part when he is asked to do things, but I still think that he struggles a little bit operating within schedule. I don't honestly see a ton of throws with the anticipation from him, at least not like what we saw from some of the other quarterbacks this weekend, Jalen Milrow excluded, so we're just talking about Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix. And he's going to need that when he goes to the NFL, but I do think he's got the tools to at least be an intriguing player. He's not any worse than, he's better than Aiden O'Connell and some of the quarterbacks we've seen. I think he's better than Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's making magic happen right now in the NFL field and, and has before. So if McCarthy does go to the NFL, I think he's got some kind of NFL future, in my opinion, more likely as a backup than a starter. But we'll see. I've been proven wrong before. On the Alabama side, really my biggest takeaway was it was nice to see Jace McClellan back out there. I have a feeling he's probably coming back, again, dealt with injuries. And if he does, I think that's really going to muddy up that backfield, him, Jam Miller, and Justice Haynes. I actually thought Haynes looked the better player, just had the four carries for 31 yards, but he was explosive on a couple of those runs. Really impressive. I, I cannot wait to watch that kid be the sole running back for Alabama. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. And Isaiah Bond continued to be the number one wide receiver. I think the main takeaway for us here for Bama I don't think Jalen Milrow is going to the NFL. He's not entering the transfer portal. I did see, poor guy, Shane McLaughlin, the center for Alabama, entered the transfer portal. He was getting a lot of hate, obviously, for the bad snaps in that game. I don't know how much of that is on him, how much of that is on Milrow. You know, I'll be honest, I've watched worse quarterbacks than Milrow take, worse snaps, and it not affect them as much as it did Milrow. And I don't know that I put that much on the center. Obviously, you've got to practice those things. My question is, if that's been an issue all year long. Like, why the hell haven't y'all practiced that? And I don't know that they have or haven't, but it's just weird to me that here we are in a playoff game and y'all are still having this issue. I think it speaks to both of them. But he has entered the transfer portal, I imagine. Um, not all that his decision. So we'll see what happens with Alabama. Uh, you know, I said this the other day. I still think they're at worst the fourth best team in the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. I think they're better than Oklahoma as well. And from my point of view, I think you're getting at least four teams from the Big Ten and the four teams from the SEC in the playoffs likely every year. So if that is the case, Alabama's going to be making it into the playoffs. And as we've seen in the NFL, it's honestly one of the reasons why I'm excited for this 12-team format is while I get it, you do want to see the best teams win every single year for the most part. You really do. and but it doesn't always happen that way. And in college football, even more so, I think we've been screwed out of that. I'll, I'll use uh, whatever. Everybody says I'm an Ohio State homer anyways, right? In 2016, in my opinion, Ohio State had a much better team than the team that won the national championship. And in my opinion, was the best team in college football. But they lost in a horrible weather game to Michigan State on a long field goal try that Michigan State got. And Ohio State got kept out of the playoffs because of it. Then Michigan State goes in and got the doors blown off by Alabama. But we, you know, talk about other teams. Like, Michigan State wasn't good at all. But they got in. We're not going to go down that road. I promise. The 12-team format, I think, is going to bring a little bit of chaos. And I am kind of here for that. Like, I enjoy 
you know, watching the Giants make their two runs coming in from a wild card and going on to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to see that happen often. I, you know, let's say once every decade. But those are the runs you're going to remember because I'm going to be honest with you. Outside of the Giants, like, okay, I, I can tell you the Chiefs have won two Super Bowls. The Chiefs have won two Super Bowls. Like, I, I don't think, unless you're a fan of that NFL team, you remember things like that. You remember the Giants going from a wild card, the last team in to winning the Super Bowl, to going and beating the undefeated Patriots. Like, that's the stuff in sports we remember because you root for the underdog. You just do unless your team is in it. Like, obviously, just use Florida State as an example. If Florida State got in there, everybody but Michigan fans would have been rooting for Florida State fans to beat Michigan. Everybody was doing that last year with TCU, and we got it. Now, yes, it sucked when they got the national championship and got wiped off the map by Georgia. And that's going to happen at times too. But I think that the playoff, the expanded playoffs is going to be a lot of fun. And I don't know why I got on this tangent, to be honest with you. Alabama's going to be in it most years. I think Georgia and Alabama are going to be the locks and probably Texas with the way Sark is, has been kind of recruiting. And, and in my opinion, the team has been playing. I Just my humble opinion. I know, you know, yeah, take this for what it's worth. I actually think Texas is probably this year, if Quinn Ewers played, so I guess you can't say that because he hasn't played necessarily great. When Quinn Ewers plays great, I think Texas is the best team in college football, at least this past year, even though I know they lost to Washington. Uh, but with that defense and that rushing attack, if Jonathan Brooks was healthy, I think if Quinn could have just taken that step forward, Texas would be in the national championship. But they're not. They lost to Washington. And we'll talk to the Texas side first because we'll, we'll spend a minute on Michael Penix. Uh, also caught a lot of heat for this saying I thought Quinn Ewers played well in, in that game. Now, look, I get it. He was 24 of 43, 56% completion percentage. He had a QBR of 72.1. That That's not great. Just for clarification, Michael Penix is with 97.6. 72.1 is also not bad. It was better than – I don't think it was actually better than J.J. McCarthy, so I won't say that. But it was better than Jalen Milrow. I know that. Look, not all that was on Quinn. Jadon Blue had a – Pass that was dropped, but likely scores a touchdown. Xavier Worthy had a drop pass. I'm pretty sure Jatavian Sanders had one as well. If those passes are complete, Quinn Ewers jumps up to almost a 60% completion percentage. Like, did he play amazing? No. And the funny thing was a lot of people on Twitter were hitting back. as like, well, he's not playing as good as Michael Penix. Okay, well, yeah, I, I, I never said he was. But you can acknowledge a player is playing well and it not have to be better than the player across the field. Michael Penix was in his bag. Like, he was having a game. It was like a Jordan flu game kind of thing. He was amazing. He was making throws that, like, like he was, like, walking down there and just dropping the ball in his wide receiver's hands. He was having an amazing game. But you can still acknowledge, at least in my opinion, you can debate with me if you want, and that's fine. I thought that Quinn Ewers played very well with his pocket manipulation. Typically, this year, I have seen him flush out of the pocket when he didn't need to panic throw the ball away. I didn't see that from him in this game. I saw him stepping up. I saw him moving out of the pocket when he needed to, and more importantly, using his legs, something he has not done a lot of. And honestly, the last time we saw him do that was in the Oklahoma game last year, the Red River shootout. And that was good to see. And I think he can still take that step forward. We have yet to get any kind of news if he's coming back, going to the NFL. Obviously, all the rumors have been that he's coming back. That has not been you know, verified by him. And there's obviously going to be a lot of talks until that happens as well. Is he even going to be the starter? I, I think that he will start over Arch. I know everybody's kind of going gaga for, for what Arch did in his couple of drives against the Oklahoma State. I still do not think Arch is ready to like really lead a college football team. 
And I don't think it's a bad thing if he only starts for, for one year. I actually would not be surprised if Arch still starts for two. His family has been open and honest about the fact like they're in no rush to get that dude to the NFL because I think they see the bigger picture, which sometimes I think players get lost in and families even get lost in. Unfortunately, it's like you want to see your child have immediate success, get to the NFL right off the bat as quick as possible. Make that money. Arch doesn't need the money. And I think he's got the family behind him that's sitting there saying like, hey, like take your time, go to the NFL when you're ready. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Arch four years in college and two years as a starter at Texas, but we'll see. If he is the starter next year, where's Quinn going? Hey, Ohio State needs quarterback. Just saying. I wouldn't hate you coming back there, Quinn. Bring back the golden mullet as well. But I thought he had an, an overall okay game there against Washington. Baxter and Blue, I thought, looked really good in this game. Obviously, both of them had fumbles, which were big turning points in that game, uh, but looked really good. Xavier Worthy, just two for 45. He didn't look completely healthy. I don't know him being healthy changes the game at all. Probably doesn't. Uh, he has announced he's going to the NFL. I have not seen if Jatavian Sanders has. That would be a big, big win for Sark and Texas if they could keep Sanders back for one more year. But let's talk about the Washington Huskies. Start with, obviously, I think you could argue the best wide receiver core in all of college football. Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk. Roma Dunze, 6 for 125. Jalen Polk, 5 for 122 and 1. And Jalen McMillan, 5 for 58 and 1. All three of them are amazing. Wouldn't be surprised if all three of them go to the NFL for this year. I think for sh- obviously Odunze is going. I think there's a pretty good chance both Polk and Jalen McMillan go, especially if they win the national championship. All eyes on them. There was a lot of talk about the three of them on Twitter from NFL draft people. I and mean, we had people talking about Romo Dunze being better than Marvin Harrison. We've heard that talk all the time. Like for me, and you can say it's biased over. I don't, I, I'm not trying to knock Romo Dunze. I think he is a phenomenal wide receiver. He's the I think clear wide receiver too. I think neighbors is probably wide receiver three, but, and I do think he's probably a little bit closer to Marvin Harrison jr. than neighbors is, but I don't think either one of them is as good as Marvin Harrison jr. Personally, you can call that bias if you want. I, I think Marvin Harrison jr. Is like a, a, an elite wide receiver um, in all facets of the game, but all three of those guys are going to be massive. It's going to be great to watch them go up against a very, very good Michigan secondary. But Michael Penix, 28, 29 of 38, 430 yards, two touchdowns, 97.7 QBR, and a 76% completion percentage. You know, like I said, I'd give Felix his props. Look, he's been on the guy since his time in Indiana. And since he's not here, I get to have this conversation all by myself. And I know when he listens to this, he's going to just like lose his mind. And that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Look, Michael Penix has got NFL tools. No doubt about that whatsoever. And I think he has definitely played his way in the first round draft capital. I, at this point would be surprised if he's not drafted in the first round. I, I think it's pretty obvious to me. It's, Caleb Drake Penix and would I be surprised if Penix goes top 15 probably not to be honest with you especially if he wins the national championship but I just like to throw this out there really quick I understand small sample size guys so take this for what you want 56% completion percentage and a 53% completion percentage when Kalen DeBoer was not his offensive coordinator I want to say that again 56.4 56.4 completion percentage, 53.7 completion percentage when Kalen DeBoer was not his offensive coordinator. 14 for four touchdown to interception ratio, four to seven. I think it speaks a lot sometimes, especially in college, 
when you are an older quarterback, like he is, where he's had time to progress. Like I, I, I can see the difference in his game, especially kind of reading defenses from his time at Indiana to right now at Washington. Kalen DeBoer, I think, is not talked about enough in how great of an offensive mind he is. What worries me about Michael Penix in, in his overall game, uh, I think his footwork has improved. Unfortunately, if you watch Debbie debate or listen all the time, you hear me and Philly talk about that. We did like a full Michael Penix breakdown video. And uh, actually uh, for this game last year, I think they played in the Alamo Bowl, um, Texas, Washington last year. And we broke down a lot of parts in that game. Felix actually went back and grabbed some Indiana tape as well to show like he was making these throws at Indiana. There was never a question. I still think his footwork needs to improve. And the one thing that scares me, and I'm going to compare this to Justin Fields is a quarterback. I love if you're watching YouTube wrong harm, there you go. The Jersey behind me love Justin Fields, but where I think he's really struggled in the NFL, at least to start off his NFL career was that long windup. And Penix has the same thing. Penix takes a minute to get going before. Once he get like once it's like a rookie of the year, Henry Rosengartner. Like, once that arm starts going forward, it's done. Like, you're not stopping that. He's firing an absolute piss missile to you. But he does take a little bit to get that windup going and release. I wonder if the elongated windup is going to hurt him. I think that really hurt Justin Fields in his first year in Chicago. It's not anything that can't be fixed. He's got the NFL arm. He's got NFL tools. Like I said, he's going to be a first-round pick. But I don't think he is like a can't-miss prospect. I actually don't think any of them are, to be honest with you. I, I have issues with Caleb's game. I have less issues with Drake's game, but I have issues with Drake as well. So none of these guys, I think, are on like that Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields spectrum, in my opinion. But I think all three of them have a chance to be very good. Michael Penix, I really want to see where he goes. I think there is more downside to his game than Caleb and Drake because of what they can do with their legs. Now, where I will give Penix a boost up and away over Drake and Caleb is, especially this year, that dude's pocket manipulation has been out of this world. Rarely ever sacked. Texas didn't sack him once in the game. He just does such a great job of maneuvering in the pocket and getting that ball out. And some of that I do think is Caitlin DeBoer in the offense. Some of that's him. Like, I will give full credit to Michael Penix on that. Some of it is, like, you can watch him, watch his head moving on tape, going through his progressions, and then just finding the check down. So, and that's what he'll have to do at times in the NFL, which is why I do think he'll succeed. So, again, I'll give the props. Felix Sharp, congratulations. You know, let's not talk about Tyler Van Dyke and Zach Wilson. I'm just kidding, buddy. It's a great call, Michael Penix. No, Nobody has propped up Michael Penix the way that, that Felix has. So, if you... Listen to Felix. Man, we probably actually talked about him on one of our very first shows of Debbie Debate three years ago. Almost, yeah, no, three years ago at this point. A little, little over three years ago. If you were listening to us back then and you picked up Michael Penix because of Felix Sharp, like you're you're riding high right now. He probably helped win you or came close to winning you a college championship and you're getting a first-round quarterback out of a guy who was definitely on the wave wire. All right, let's talk a little bit about these players going to the NFL. I want to start with Cam Ward. Um... I don't think this was a great decision for Cam Ward. Now, maybe it just came down to, like, no real interest from college football teams. It seemed like it was really kind of down to Miami. And the reports were that he had reached out to Jeremiah Smith, uh, number one wide receiver in the class uh, this year's recruiting class, a uh, number one player overall. And he had pretty much told Jeremiah Smith, hey, if you come to Miami, I'm going to come to Miami to be the quarterback. So flip from Ohio State to Miami. Apparently, that's what took so long to get his LOI in. He ended up staying committed to Ohio State. So he... 
Cam Ward ends up going to the NFL. Makes sense because Miami's not ready to win this year, and I don't think they're making the playoffs, even with the 12-team format. But I still think Ward needs some development. I mean, look, he is, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. He's a Houdini in the backfield. Like, the way that that dude finds a way to escape pressure and escape sacks is honestly fun to watch. It's Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray-esque. And I'm not saying he's anything like any of those players outside of that part of it. But there are times where I feel like that dude's surrounded by three or four defenders, and he finds a way to just shimmy and shake his way through all of them and then get the ball um, out of his hands into a wide receiver. Now, we have still really yet to see him challenge downfield. This year was his best A dot in the Power 5. His best was at Incarnate Ward as a freshman where it was a 9.2. That was actually pretty good. This year was a 7.7. It's the best he's had since being at Washington State. Had a 4.6 big-time throw percentage and a 3.4 turnover-worthy play. So he had an okay season. Uh, 144 rushing yards, 8 touchdowns, 66% completion percentage, 3,736 passing yards, 25 for 7 touchdown to interception ratio. He's good. Like, he doesn't challenge down the field enough, which I think is going to be an issue for him at the NFL level, but he can. So maybe he just needs an offensive coordinator that's willing to let him open it up. That part, I just, I don't know. We don't know how that's going to translate. He's definitely, in my opinion, very good in the short intermediate areas. Like, I was looking at his... um his deep percentage. So like pulling up and looking at his passing deep out of his 400, let's look at this 486 passing attempts. Okay. 486 passing attempts. 57 of those were for 20 plus yards. That's 11% of his throws guys. We're talking about even some of the better. I don't even want to say better quarterbacks. Just like I'm going to pull up Kyle McCord's here because I don't think he went deep that that often either, and I wouldn't say he was an upper echelon quarterback um, this year. They're going upwards of like 15%. So even Kyle McCord's is at 14%. He wasn't going deep that much either. These upper echelon quarterbacks are going upwards of 15 to 20% deep. Now, where I will give Cam Ward some credit you know, 40% completion percentage. That doesn't sound great. That's actually pretty good. Kyle McCord's was 50. Like, I think anything over 30 from everything I've seen is is actually really good. It, it is harder to complete those throws. And where I will also give him credit, a lot of times when you go check out these quarterback stats on PFF, when you're looking at these 20-plus yard throws, a lot of them are like 21, 22, 8 out. No, his is 28.8. So he was going a decent amount over that 20. So he was actually challenged deep. Now, it's not because Michael Penix and Bo, well, Bo Nix's wasn't. Uh, but like Michael Penix, so I think it was like up in the 30s. Like he was ridiculous. Again, we've talked about a great year that he's having, but I think Cam Ward needed a little bit more development. But again, I'll mention the guys like I did earlier with JJ McCarthy, Tyrod Taylor. Like I think Cam Ward can be a starter in the NFL. It really just depends on where he gets drafted and when he gets drafted. I would be shocked if he's a day two pick right now, but I could see someone taking him in the third round. I would say, and I was a big fan of Desmond Ritter, I don't think he's a worse prospect than Desmond Ritter or, oh man, now his name just jumped right out of my head, but that guy who is on Tennessee, I keep wanting to say Malik Cunningham, and that's not who it is. Lord help me, if you're in the chat, who am I thinking of? Everybody talked about him. He only read one side of the field, had a rocket arm. Jumped up in the the process due to the uh, Senior Bowl. I don't remember. You probably listening to the podcast right now know exactly who it is, and you're yelling at me. It doesn't matter. But he's not any worse than those two guys who got drafted in the third round a couple years ago. I think he could go in the third round, but we'll see. Another announcement we got today was Will Shipley. 
Will Shipley is foregoing his final college season and going to the NFL. Makes sense. He did not have a great season. Really kind of got passed up by Phil Maffa. I think this is wheels up for Phil Maffa. If you roster him, I would assume he's going to be the guy for the Clemson offense. And we'll see what happens with Will Shipley. I, I, I would be surprised if he's a day two pick. I think he's probably around four pick at best. Not Hendon Hooker, Drew, but that that's close. Hendon Hooker was last year. It was two years ago. And for the life of me, I can't. I swear Malik is in his name somewhere, and it is driving me crazy now that I can't think of who it is. And, like, you guys are going to make me look this up. Like, I'm now pulling up the phone so that I can search. This is, like, great live. Um, QBs drafted in 2021. I am sure that, like, everybody – nope, it's 2022. There you go. See, I already messed that up. Malik Willis. There we go. Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. I knew Malik was in there somewhere. I just, for life of me, couldn't remember his last name. Uh, he's not. Cam Ward is better than Malik Willis, in my opinion. He doesn't have the arm strength, but arm strength's overrated. Like, look, I'm, well, we're not going to get into the Will Levis talk here. But uh, anyways, back to Will Shipley. I, I mean, it is a weak running back class, so maybe he's able to jump up into day two capital. Uh, you know, ACLs are not what they used to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's a day two pick. He's probably around four, maybe even around five pick. We'll see. I would imagine he's not going to be ready to go by the combine. Maybe we'll get to see something in like a pro day uh, for him. But even then, I think that's a little bit of a risk. We might not get to see him do any kind of testing or get any numbers from him. So we'll just have to see what happens with him in the draft. It's going to be interesting. I I think he's going to be okay. I don't even really right now view him as like an RB2 for fantasy. So, you know, take that for what it is. Uh, other transfer portal news. DJ Uangalele is going to Florida State. I think he's going to be a, a perfectly fine replacement for Jordan Travis. Uh, he's going to be good. Mike Norvell knows how to run that offense. I think he had, you know, he wasn't horrible at Clemson or at Oregon State. I think it was unfortunately, you know, he was kind of that top quarterback at the time. He had two really good games. I don't even say two okay games that really kind of boosted his stock up. But I think him coming from like that Clemson lineage and people hoping he was going to live up to what Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson did really kind of hurt him. I think, you know, Georgia, we we kind of talked a lot about it here the past couple years. I think Georgia did kind of break him a little bit as well. Unfortunately, in that very first game, he had to play against them. Uh, but I think he'll be fine there at Florida State. I don't know that he's going to like massively improve his draft stock. Uh, but 2025, that class is wide open right now. I mean, you're probably talking about, you know, Drew Alar, Quinn Ewers, Carson back at the top of that class. Like, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence right now, personally. So maybe DJ is able to get himself into some kind of discussion. We'll see. Other news, Tennessee is out on Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart posted a very weird tweet as well after this came out, talking about he wants to go to a good team that is honest, um, that is a, has a good and honest medical staff. We know that he was injured this year at Texas A&M. I don't know. I assume that's kind of a shot at them and not being honest about what his injury was. We'll see where he goes. Um, you know, Ole Miss, I know, was on that list. Uh, I you know, I thought Tennessee was probably going to be the best shot for him to really bring you some good CFF value this year. Regardless of where he goes, though, he's going to be the best. I think Oregon is probably the best spot for him to go now. Let's let's hope that that's where he ends up going. Uh, Caden Salter enters the transfer portal. It seems like Auburn's kind of the, the leader right now, joining back up with Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I think that'll be fine. I mean, Peyton Thorne wasn't anything to write home about. Maybe Caden Salter will be, will be better. Brew McCoy is returning to Tennessee. Uh, and then the last little bit here, Shaz Preston. 
has entered the portal. So the top schools that were on him before he signed with Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, USC, and Texas. Texas doesn't make any sense to me. They they brought in Matthew Golden. They have John Tate Cook. I still kind of hope they're going to land Evan Stewart. I doubt that they are, as all the reports were like, Evan Stewart doesn't want to go there or Alabama. Alabama, I agree with Jalen Milrow, but come on, man. Texas would be great. But it doesn't sound like he's going to go there. I don't think Shaz Preston should go there either. I don't think that's going to be good for him, good fit for him. I do think Texas A&M and LSU are both, in my opinion, wide open wide receivers, wide receiver rooms. I have yet still had a chance to watch LSU versus Wisconsin. I know that LSU came back and beat Wisconsin. I saw a couple of throws Garrett Nussmeyer was making. Looks like he's living up to the hype. We, I shouldn't say we, that Austin Nace has had on him for the past two years. So that'll be fun to watch. But he definitely needs that wide receiver. I don't love. This room, I mean, we were really kind of hoping like true freshman uh, Shelton Sampson was going to be able to get something going. They have Aaron Anderson, who transferred in last year, didn't do much. They're losing Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. Like, we'll see what ends up happening with them. And Texas A&M's, I think, is wide open as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Moose Muhammad comes back for one more year. I believe he's technically got two years of eligibility left. So, like, dude, could be there for a couple more years. But I think Mike Atiz is still there. I want to say I actually think he entered the transfer portal. But regardless, like, they don't have anybody. You know, Anaya Smith is gone to the NFL. So, it's just Moose Muhammad, in my opinion, in that wide receiver room right now. So, if Shaz Preston went in there. I think he easily comes in as probably the wide receiver, too. And and I don't mind the, the, the Kleinman offense. We're going to uh, – uh, Kleinman got brought, Chris Klein, sorry, got brought in for, um, as to be the offensive coordinator. I, I think that offense could actually be a lot of fun for Texas A&M, and I want Connor Wigman to get some weapons. Uh, so we will see what happens with them. I'm just going to throw this out there really quick. And, you know, I know we're, we're, we may not have the support of CBS, NBC, and ESPN, but like, I know we get out everywhere. Everybody's listening to us. Like, Evan, Connor. Ohio State could use another wide receiver and a quarterback. Just saying. Go check out Columbus. It's beautiful in the summer and spring. Maybe not so much in the winter, but you want to make the playoffs? You want to increase that first-round draft capital? Buckeyes. OH. All right. Let's talk about my quarterback rankings. So, cause a little bit of controversy on this is what it is. Don't really care anymore. So, at number one, I put Nico. Uh, look, Joe Milton, uh, he's QB 30 last year. Uh, so, I, I, I take this with a grain of salt. Everybody's, I shouldn't say everybody's, a lot of C2C leagues have different scoring and everything. I went to a league that, as far as I can remember, doesn't have any like extra scoring for quarterbacks and everything. This is where I pulled my my points from and everything. So Joe Milton finished just QB 30 last year, 26.68 points per game. That's with like little to no rushing upside. We saw them actually using Nico a little bit and rushing against Iowa. Iowa, a very good defense. Like I was in, honestly impressed with what, how Nico looked in that game against a good Iowa team in his first real start. I get he had a month to prepare, but now he's going to have all winter and all spring to get in there and learn that offense and really become the guy. I think the, you know, Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof for Nico here. So maybe QB one is a little rich, but I honestly think he's got a chance to finish there. It's not a massive gap between some of these quarterbacks. I don't think we're going to have, 
you know, a Jaden Daniels type season from anybody this year who just far and away is QB one in fantasy. So I think Nico could be up there. Um, and I do think he's got some NFL upside. He has NFL tools. It's just really, can he put on a little bit of weight and can he can continue to develop as a passer? So he's my number one, because you can probably at least get him for three years. If he decides to come back as a senior in a Josh Heupel offense, which again, we'll talk about these offenses here in a minute. I got some graphics uh, to show you guys. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, Connor Wigman comes in at two and really it's just, I'm a little bit worried about this team. Um, Wigman was really good last year. Actually one of the best in points per game, 27.81 before he got injured. Like he was actually having a really good season, but we've seen offensive linemen transferred out. It's wide receivers are transferring out brand new coaching staff. Now, again, I like, I like Klein as, as the offensive coordinator. I think Wigman will be used as a runner a little bit. We'll see how overall this offense comes together. I believe in the talent Wigman has, and I believe that he can be good, so that's why I'm keeping him up here in the top three. Jackson Arnold comes in next ring. I get it. It wasn't an inspiring bowl game against Arizona, but I don't think this offense is going to change much. I know Jeff Levy's leaving, but I, I, they, they promoted with from within. I think Arnold's going to be pretty damn good. Dylan Gabriel finishes QB3 last year, 38 points per game, 456 on the season. Arnold, I think, is honestly a little bit of a better rusher than Gabriel, and I think he will bring that to the table. Now, they are going up into the SEC, so they're going to be playing some tougher opponents, but I think overall Arnold has a chance to be up there. Number four for me is Dart. Finishes his QB 22 on the year, 28.1, 340 points on the year. I think Dart actually had a really good year, and a couple of years ago, you know, I had mentioned I thought Jackson Dart was going to be better than Caleb Williams. That's not going to happen. But Jackson Dart could still end up being a first-round quarterback. And I know that's crazy to say, but he had a really good year this year. And I think he could take another step forward. I think that Ole Miss team in general is going to be really good with the improvements they've made on defense. He's going to get the ball more. He's going to get a chance to, to make some more plays. I think Jackson Dart is kind of a sneaky buy right now, if you want me to be honest with you. I, I don't know that he jumps up much more than QB22 when it comes to fantasy. I could see him jumping into like the 15 to 20 range. He's not, I don't think making top 12 because he's still not doing a lot on the ground. Jackson Dart is a sneaky quarterback for me uh, next year. Carson Beck comes in next for me, uh, finishes QB 28, 26.9, three points uh, on the year. You know, I, I know. Okay, Georgia fans, you got me. Like, they're still passing a lot. It's taking a small step back. Does that clarification help you guys a little bit more? Every single year since Stetson, since Todd Munkin left, really. 2022, it took a small step back. I know Todd Munkin was there, and then this year it did. And to clarify, I think it's going to happen again in 2024. Jeez. Because the wide receiver course sucks, guys. Just be honest. It's not good. They've lost Ladd McConkey, Brock Bowers. It's not a good squad around him. You know what is good around him? An incredible running back room that hopefully will be healthy. I'm pretty sure Kendall Milton's coming back. Branson Robin, ho, ho, Ro, Branson Robinson will hopefully be healthy. Roderick Robinson will hopefully be healthy. Hell, they still technically have Andrew Paul on the roster. I don't know if he's going to transfer out. Lean on what you've got. You've got an incredible offensive line. You're going to have four workhorse running backs back there. I think Carson Beck, because of how efficient he is, is going to be good. But if I'm being honest, I think his upside as an NFL quarterback is limited. He's not bringing you anything on and rushing on the college or NFL level. Sure, if he goes into the NFL and if he's drafted in the first round or second round, he has a chance to probably stick on as a starter because he is a good passer. 
but I don't see this massive fantasy upside for him. Like the only reason I have him up here at five is because again, I think the 2025 quarterback class is really bad. And so maybe Beck works himself in a la Kenny Pickett with less rushing upside and ends up being a first round pick. Like I just, I don't think Carson Beck is anything special to be honest with you. I think he's, he's just a good quarterback. So I'll put him here, but again, I think they're going to take another step back in passing the ball to probably a little bit less than 50%. They were at 50.2 this year, so practically even because I just think that that wide receiver core is not going to be good, and they are going to be going up against tougher opponents. And what we've seen outside of the Ohio State game where they had to score points because CJ Stroud was in his bag, they have played opponents, specifically Alabama, in closer games. I don't know that there's going to be some massive shootouts for, for Georgia. I think Kirby Smart will revert to what he has been in kind of game, controlling the game clock a little bit, a la Saban ball, and running the ball, and then relying on your defense, which is still probably top five, and that might be even wrong. I mean, they may be top three. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know all who they've been bringing back. I know there's been a lot of players going to the NFL and entering the transfer portal, but with what Kirby Smart's recruited over the past couple of years, they're probably going to be at worst top five. So I think Beck is going to be good. Quinn Ewers finishes QB 56, but actually at 25.82 points a game. Like he was up there with some of the best. Injured for a couple games. Uh, Malik Murphy stepped in. We just got to see it, right? Like the tools are there, and it's a Sark quarterback, which we all want to believe in, just like we do Lincoln Riley quarterbacks. You want to believe in that quarterback, but Quinn has got to take that step forward. He's just been inconsistent. He has his moments. Again, I thought he played fine against Washington. Obviously, the game's against Alabama. Like, in games like that, he seems to come to play, and then in the lesser opponents, he doesn't. It's a big year for them. They actually have a fairly easy schedule heading into the SEC. I think they've got a chance to battle Alabama and Georgia to possibly be in the SEC championship in year one. They do play Georgia early on at home. It is hard to go into the 40 acres and win. I gave Georgia the win in that game. I would not be surprised if Texas wins. So that is going to be a really good game that could determine who ends up making the SEC championship. Uh, so that is one, two, three, four, five, six. And my seven, I have Dylan Rayola. Look, he's going to start right off the bat. He's got a lot of talent. And I want to show you guys again a minute here, this graphic on the offense. I think Dylan Rayola is going to actually be kind of good, guys. And, and I'm excited to watch him start as a true freshman. At eight, I have DJ Lagway. You know, Graham Mertz is coming back, probably going to be the starter for Billy Napier. But Lagway has a chance to just be really good with his rushing upside and his arm. We'll see if Napier's there long-term for Florida. I, I don't know if it means he transfers out. Regardless, I think Lagway deserves to be up there. At nine, I have Lenora Sellers. Look, like Spencer Rattler finished his QB 39 last year, folks. 24.29 points a game. Not a ton of rushing upside, at least not what Lenora Sellers has. They didn't bring really anybody in to compete with him. I think this dude has a chance to go gangbusters next year. It's going to be a lot, of a lot of fun. I would not be surprised. And, like, I know this might sound like, heresy. Chris Moxley is going to be excited to do this. Ah, dude, I wouldn't be surprised if Lenar Sellers has a chance to finish as like a top eight fantasy quarterback next year. If he just decides to just run around like crazy with his hair on fire, with goggles all equipped, and just bombing everybody down the field. They've got a fun, athletic wide receiver core. I think this team's going to be a lot of fun. I actually think the ad, like, don't get me wrong. Their offensive line's poor. and But I think bringing in a guy like Raheem Sanders... The RPO game that you could have with those two, those two could really feed off each other. Could be a lot of fun. My number 10 is Noah Fafita. Uh, just I mean, 
Talked about him for two years. Fun, fun player. If he was three inches taller, I think we'd be talking about him as the best quarterback in college football. That's how much fun I think this quarterback is. Finishes a QB 58, 23.27 points a game. Was in and out early on. Really kind of took over. I think it's like about week six in the season. Going to be the guy moving forward. Has Tet there. Uh, his high school teammate. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. Just the, the next couple guys for me. Dante, Arch, Drew Alar, and Aiden Childs. Uh, let's talk about those offenses real quick. I want to I want to bring up those graphics so we can talk about them. So if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see explosiveness versus pass success here. And this is what I wanted to talk about with Nebraska. Look at that offensive pass explosiveness. Guys, that's good. That's good. That's better than everybody else we just mentioned. Better than Georgia, Arizona, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Now, the Kansas State is the Klein offense, so that just imagine that's Texas A&M. We're assuming, you know, obviously, let's be honest, Connor Wigman, a much better passer than, than Will Howard and Avery Johnson, but, you know, I just wanted to get a representation on the chart there. Tennessee and Texas. Now, granted, look, their offensive pass success rate was horrible. Well, you know, you had Jeff Sims as your quarterback, guys. Like, let's calm down. And Chuba Purdy. Dylan Rayola, much better passer than both those guys, and that pass explosiveness matters, man. That's a fun offense to watch with Matt Rule all by themselves over there at that 1.9. And then look who's next. Almost at a 1.8, Jackson Dart and Ole Miss. You know whose offense wasn't explosive? Georgia and Tennessee's, which was actually kind of surprising, especially Tennessee. Josh Hypo, I thought that would be a little bit more explosive, the worst out of this whole group. So, Texas kind of down there. Everybody else kind of grouped together, right? But Ole Miss, Nebraska, standouts there in the pass explosiveness. And then this next chart, the EPA per play and neutral pass rate. So, again, this is where, unfortunately, Nebraska kind of comes in bad. They were not passing the ball at all. Again, I really think that comes down to Jeffson's and Chuba Purdy being his quarterbacks. 30% of the time in neutral situations, they were passing the ball, meaning they were running heavily. I do think that changes when Dylan Rayola comes in, but you look at like the EPA per play. I mean, Georgia, Arizona, Oklahoma, Ole Miss up there on both passing 50% of the time for Georgia, Arizona over 55% of the time. Again, Noah Fafita stock, just rocket shipping up, baby rocket ship. God, I wish that guy was like two inches taller. He would be so much fun to watch. It was your boy talking about him. Be another dub for your boy. Uh, but I think Lenora Sellers there could go up a little bit. I mean, look at that. They were passing, you know, in early down situations 50% of the time. And I think Lenora Sellers could get those opportunities not only pass, but then run if that's failing. Texas up there as well. Like all these offenses, I think, have a chance to be really good and really fun for these quarterbacks. So, so they're the guys that I'm tuning into. I'm going to be a lot of fun. Maybe those rankings will change. We always do ranking summits uh, to start off the season. So make sure to look out for those who are honestly as crazy as it is to say. End of February, early March is when spring camp starts starting up. We're we're a little over a month away from that right now. All right, running backs really quick because we're we're almost getting to an hour. So number one, my boy Quinshawn Judkins uh, finishes RB twenty last year. Dealt with some injuries, but really kind of came on at the end of the year. Nineteen point eight one points per game. I think he's not going to be drafted in in round one. I think regardless of if Henderson comes back or not. Uh, I think, and even with Sanders coming back, I think he's got a shot to be RB1 drafted. Like, he's just continued to improve. I think he's he's locked into day two capital outside of an injury next year. So he's my number one. Number two, I have C.J. Baxter. Jonathan Brooks finishes RB24 last year, even with the injury. 23.15 points a game. 
I think he's going. I don't think he's declared yet, but I think Brooks is gone and going to the NFL. You want that Steve Sarkeesian running back. You just do. Going all the way back to his time in Washington, USC, you know, even when he was with Alabama, the offensive coordinator, like his running backs did damage. Baxter can do that. Did he have a impressive season? No, it, it was a little bit disappointing. Let's be honest. But I think true freshman coming in with all the, the expectations on him, not really getting worked in early. I think he's going to be fine. He'll definitely split time with Jadon Blue, who also looked really good and explosive at times this year. But I think Baxter will be the guy. I think he has a chance to outdo this 24. I would not be surprised if he's like an RB15 in fantasy, just because I want that Sark back, and I think they're going to rely on him again. I know they're going to the SEC. Texas's schedule is easy, folks. They have a lot of home games. Uh, I think they only have like five away games, and one of them is technically here in Texas. It's It's at the the Cotton Bowl, like it's not, it's like a three hour drive from Austin. It's not that bad. Uh, three for me is currently Travion Henderson. I do think he's coming back. It's not been official yet. From what I've been told, he's leaning toward coming back. We'll see. Do I think that's a great decision for his NFL future? No. You want to see running backs go into the NFL as soon as possible. And I'll be honest, I think with the Will Shipley news tonight, I actually think there's a better chance Henderson does go to the NFL because if Will Shipley's getting some kind of word that he's going to be a decent draft, like Henderson's better than Shipley. Um, but finishes RB43 last year, obviously dealt with the injuries, 21 points per game, which is actually pretty good. Um, and I do think if he comes back, the offense will be revolving around him. One thing I did not mention um, earlier that I guess I'll, I'll splice in here. Will Howard is visiting Ohio State. There's actually reports that they're going to try and go after Caden Salter as well. I think if either one of those guys ends up at the quarterback, you're just going to be relying heavily on your run game if Ryan Day can stick to it because he doesn't always do that. At times he'll go with a run game and then he'll just get pass happy and forget running backs even exist. Uh, but I think Henderson could be the focus of the Ohio State offense and could have a really good year. Uh, at four for me, I have Justice Haynes. Um, he might drop some if Jace comes back because that backfield is just going to be so, you know, just congested with him, Jam Miller, and Haynes. But I think Haynes is the best of the three, and I hope that we get to see more of them. Uh, at five, I have Nick Singleton. Obviously, down year for him. RB 47 just was not great. Uh, but he looked good in the bowl game against a good Ole Miss team. I think he has that bounce back junior year. Devin Neal comes in for me there at six, finishes RB 10, 21 points per game, is coming back. It's going to be a good offense. I think he has a chance to do that again. Does worry me a little bit that maybe he came back because he got reports that his draft grade wasn't good, and I don't know that him coming back for one year is going to change that that much, especially sticking at Kansas. Uh, but it's great news for you if you have him in CFF, so he's likely going to be really good. I brought in Sanders here. One, two, three, four, five, six. So my RB7, Raheem Sanders. And again, I mentioned it earlier, Like I think the RPO between him and Lenora Sellers could actually increase Sanders' ability to to open up some holes for himself and and play and then and and Felix asking the sharp. Do you recommend selling Lenora Sellers given the hype? I'm going to give an Austin Nace answer here. I think it really depends on your roster construction and what you're getting back for him. As I said earlier, I think Lenora Sellers has a chance to be like fantasy wise. I honestly think like top eight, I don't want to sound too crazy and go like top five, but like, I really believe in the talent. And if that's the case, no, because I want to win my college side. And I think he's got the tools. You're projecting a lot out here and saying he has the tools to get to the NFL, but I do think he has a chance to do that. But I mean, if you're able to get like a Kyler Murray or somebody like that for the NFL, like sure. If you really want to do that, it really kind of depends on what you can get back for him. 
I don't know how many people are really hyping him up outside of Chris and Felix. So, and I don't know where he's going to come in in our, our um, consensus ranks either. Well, those won't be ready or like fully done for the next couple of weeks. We're waiting for more quarterbacks and players to announce if they're going into the, the NFL or not. But I, if you're able to get like a first round, I don't even know that I would do that. I don't like this quarterback class. If you're able to get a first round pick for him in a supplemental draft, so like who are you getting that I think could be better than him? I, I don't, I, I think at this point, if it's me, I'm holding him and I'm waiting to see what he does. Cause I think even if he goes out there and struggles a little bit early on, I don't think his, his value dips the way Dante Moore's did because he's such an exciting player. Like he'll make exciting plays and it will people who believe in him. I mean, you Felix have called him the next Anthony Richardson. I mean, we saw the way his value kind of went up and down with the way he played. You'll have another chance to sell him. And I would wait for him to have like that game where he rushes for like, a hundred plus yards throws for 200 plus has like three, four touchdowns in the game. And everybody's going to be like, Oh, it is the next Anthony Richardson. And then if you really don't believe in him, sell him. I wouldn't yet, unless you're just like loaded on your QB side on the college. And you're like, I don't really need him. Then yeah, I, I would feel fine selling him. Uh, next up in my running. Oh, Sanders. But you know, he was horrible. Uh, he was the thousandth, uh, 1,129th running back in college fantasy this year. I didn't even think they went that low. Just average eight points a game. It, it was a bad year for him, but I do think he could bounce back this year with, uh, with South Carolina again. I think Lenora Sellers being a huge proponent of that. Ruben Owens, uh, he comes in here at running back eight for me. I think he has a chance to have a really, really good year. I think he's the best running back on the roster. We're going to talk a little bit about what that offense has done for running backs with Klein coming in there. Could be a lot of fun. Amari and Hampton uh, coming in here at nine for me. It was RB5 on the season, 23.64 points a game. I don't see that drop in any. I don't think he drops out of the top 10. So he's probably going to have another really good year again. Seems like Matt Brown typically is not relied on one running back, but he is with Hampton. So I think you've got to ride that hot hand. He He's up there. And then Ollie Gordon finishes his RB1. I still have questions about what his actual NFL future is, but should smash again in CFF. Would not be surprised if he is RB1 on the season uh, yet again. And that alone is worth having him in the top 10, even if his NFL upside is limited. My next couple running backs in the rankings, Jace McClellan, Ashton Janty, and Caleb Jackson. So before we get out of here, I did have some graphics for the, the running backs as well. Uh, so this is just, a, again, this is just a, a one-year picture. I should have mentioned that as well with um, with the passing stuff. It was just a one-year picture. This is just 2023, but you can see here the success rate with the offensive rush explosiveness. The South Carolina down there at the bottom. Um, the success rate for Penn State was actually kind of good, but their explosiveness was just not. But you can see Texas and Oklahoma State. And that Texas spot right there, 45% almost success rate, but really explosive. That's why I believe in C.J. Baxter next year. Like, I think Baxter has a chance to be really good. Ole Miss, Arizona, Kansas. Uh, North Carolina, and then again, the Kansas State is going to be Texas a and I'm keeping that, you know, all those guys kind of, all of those teams outside of Texas A&M were above both lines. So those dotted lines, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, is the average that you see from offenses, and they were better than the average on offensive rush explosiveness and success rate. Ohio State way down there at the bottom, dealing with all the injuries they had. I think they'll bounce back. And then this is the EPA per play versus the neutral situations. Again, South Carolina really bad in the EPA per play and was not rushing uh, a ton. They were actually passing more often than not. Oklahoma State passing more often than not, as was Texas and North Carolina, which, again, 
you look at that for North Carolina. I mean, they were rushing about 50% of the time and look at the year that Amari and Hampton had. I mean, you've got to be excited about that. And, and, you know, I would not be surprised if they are passing a little bit less. If Connor Harrell is a start, it'll be a batter, battle between him and Max Johnson. I think Harrell ends up winning the job. Uh, but the rest of them, over 50% um, rushing in neutral situations, um, and all of them, for the most part, successful. That would be Texas A&M, Kansas, Alabama, Penn State, Ole Miss, the offensive systems. Uh, definitely over that Ohio State was not. So, again, I think, you know, those running backs are going to be really good. And I just wanted to touch on real quick, too, uh, a couple of these, these players really quick. So, Nick Singleton. Quinchon Judkins, Justice Haynes, Travion Henderson, and C.J. Baxter. Those five. Why those five? I did not have this graphic because it's really kind of hard to read because I did the history of those coaches. James Franklin and his offenses, Lane Kiffin and his offenses, Nick Saban, his offense, Ryan Day, and Steve Sarkeesian. So we're going all the way back to, like, Lane Kiffin at FAU, Steve Sarkeesian when he was with Alabama, USC, going all the way back to that. On average, those five coaches, number one running backs, average anywhere from 20 to 30 points a game. Now, this is over multiple seasons, so that is another reason why I believe in all those running backs. In fact, the best player overall, and I uh, forgive me, don't remember who the running back was, but FAU multiple times at the top of this chart, not just in number one, but their number two running back as well, over 20 points per game. So like Lane Kiffin, I'm all in on Quinshawn this year, as long as he stays healthy. If Justice Haynes can get the ball, I think he has the chance. He's the best running back in that backfield. Alabama up here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times over 20 points per game. And actually their RB2 over 10 points per game. So like, even if he's RB2, you know, it's not a guy you're starting every week. Texas up here four times, Ohio State up here three times, Ole Miss, um, which technically again is Lane Kiffin up here another time. So that's three times for Lane Kiffin. Like I'm all in on those four running or those five running backs. I think they're all in for amazing season. So that is going to do it though for Debbie debate today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see, you know, if, if Felix has done victory lapping, Michael Penix in Washington, regardless of who wins the national championship, I'm sure he'll be, he'll be celebrating whether it's Michigan or Washington and Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer. Um, and we'll see if Austin and Chris have, you know, the time to come back from fishing off the gall, off the shores of Greece. You know, I, I wouldn't blame him for staying out there a little bit longer. Um, if not, it'll be your boy back again next week. Sorry, Kirk. I didn't expect to go an hour, man, but I promise I'll get you on next week. You and Reese and Pat, so we can talk about Jalen Milrow saying and what you guys thought Reese was going to say, because I think we all know that was actually a very funny moment. Um, and Kirk, we can talk about why you hate Florida State so much, but uh, I see you. I know. I know. No, nope, I'm not bringing you on, Kirk. I'm not. I'm not doing. We're not having that discussion today. We'll catch you guys again next week.